Do not engage your people and gather information from your people if the data you collect, you're not going to act on. Because the process of collecting the data builds respect. Are you ready to reinvent your organization and create a workplace of the future? Welcome to the Optimized Workplace. My name is Fran Dean Bishop, and I'm the founder and CEO of Aerobody. Join me each week as I welcome innovators, A-listers, and trailblazers who will share their individual experiences with creating an optimized workplace. This podcast will inspire you to find new and unique ways of helping your organization thrive while providing an exceptional experience for your employees and nourishing their well-being. Ready to get started? Learn more at theoptimizedworkplace.co. Welcome to the Optimized Workplace. I'm your host, Fran Dean Bishop, where our discussions with influencers, experts, and innovators are helping transform the well-being and sustainability of today's workplaces and spaces. Today, I welcome Noah Pusi, CEO of Ripple Analytics. Ripple measures how people interact and is changing how organizations assess, manage, develop their people. It confirms the level of engagement, which I find really fascinating, and I can't wait to get into this discussion because it confirms the level of engagement, self-awareness, and culture. It's really, really interesting, and I like to say sticky stuff, especially in the environment that we're in today, as you all know, with this remote workplace, the hybrid workplace, and everything that's going on. So at the end of the day, Ripple gathers and crunches the information to empower managers, owners, and leaders to make better informed decisions. So I welcome Noah of Ripple Analytics. Welcome, Noah. It's great to be here, Fran. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you as well. So before we get into the juices of it, can you tell us a little bit more about you and how you got into this line of work with Ripple? I am one of seven kids, grew up on a small working farm in Southern Vermont. Uh, Town population was about 550 people. I went to a three-room schoolhouse. It's relevant because I learned from an early age that you had to be able to communicate, that you had to be able to negotiate, compromise, that you had to work with your brothers and sisters so that if there was that last pork chop on the plate, who was getting it? Um, It's kind of corny, but that has really driven me in in life. Um, I think communication, especially in 2023, has never been more important. You know, when you're we all are provided more more and more outlets to basically disconnect from our fellow humans. It's important to really um, promote uh, open and honest communication, genuine communication. Sometimes those communications are difficult, but oftentimes they're necessary. So why do I mention it so early on? That's That's what really drove me to go to law school. I wanted to help people with their legal needs. And eventually in 2014, uh, Derek Hedges and I co-founded Ripple with the singular goal of making the workplace a more enjoyable place to work. And how do you do that? Data, data, data. Find out what your people think, find out how your people are working, find out how they're interacting or not interacting. And again, as you mentioned in the um, the lead-in, today, hybrid work, uh, remote work, the really the changing environment of the modern workplace, it's more important than ever to get data from your people because you don't have those lunch meetings where you sit or you don't share coffee in the in the break room, you know, water cooler conversations. I, I was raised professionally where you would have conversations getting, you know, making coffee in the morning. And now those conversations would turn into, okay, Joe, okay, Fran, okay, David, Susan, let's um let's get together at four o'clock today and we'll and we'll kind of map out what we were just talking about this morning. Those opportunities don't exist 
as much now as they did you know 20 years ago. That's why you really, as a manager, owner, leader, you have to get your information as, as easily and as often as possible. And that's what Ripple does. You said something a little bit earlier, which I want to unpack a little bit, because I think you're absolutely right. There is so much down, kind of sandwiched together information, data about how in which people want to react, don't react, the questions that you know management wants to ask that... They don't know if they're going to get themselves in hot water legally to ask what's on on the table, what's off the table. And what I noticed during COVID in the work that we do is that a lot of these managers were tasked with doing things that they weren't even able to do for themselves. Like, how are you going to coach someone around their mental health when you aren't even in a good psychological frame of mind yourself? So can you unpack, first off, you know, what's the biggest challenge that you're seeing for your customers around trying to, again, get at the data or get at the at the um, question of what's going on with their employees? Yeah, well, one of our uh, biggest challenges is just adoption and participation. Um, there's an inherent, um, I won't say disrespect, but lack of trust between the younger workforce generations, the millennials, the Gen Zers, with mm-hmm. the older workforce generations, my generation, the, the Gen Xers and the boomers. And that's real. I grew up learning how to lead from a leader that learned from people that survived the Great Depression. That's a different mentality than 25, 26, 28-year-olds today. They, and, and so what we do is we empower the managers, owners, leaders to collect and crunch the data. But the millennials and the Gen Zers have to trust ownership, management, the older generational workforce to use that data. We say it all the time, do not engage your people and gather information from your people if the data you collect, you're not going to act on. Because the process of collecting the data builds respect. Because millennials, Gen Zers, partially my my generation too, they say, wow, you know, ownership wants to know my opinions about something. And our our platform is completely anonymous. So there's no, there there should be no concern over, you know, the person's identity that is providing the feedback. But once you've collected that feedback, once you've collected that data, that information, you better be ready to act on it. And that doesn't mean you have to change your complete uh, approach to your organizational um, operations. What it means is if the data shows you a great people that are interacting on a positive level, celebrate it. I was raised with the review process that I was raised on was let's not let Noah think he's too important because if he does, he's going to say, well, why aren't you paying me X amount instead of what you're paying me now? Why is my bonus so small? Why do I only get two weeks of vacation? All those things where in 2023, if you have good people, let them know that you're going to acknowledge it and give them what they want because replace, I mean, I won't go into the stats of replacing an employee, but you know, we all know the, the, the cost, the, the damage to culture, it's huge. So hold on to those employees. I, I'm a I'm a data analytics person, so I use a lot of statistics. And when I when I um, discuss realities of the modern workplace, the a Gen Zer, their average tenure at a job is two years and three months. Hmm. My generation, five years, two months. So more than double, right? Yeah. yeah. And then boomers are eight years and five or six Plus. months. Yeah. So, so if you know you're only going to have a person. And on average, about two years, mm-hmm. you can't have a nine-month onboarding process. 
You know, the, the old the old adage, when you hire someone new, you've got, you know, four, five, six months. And well, if you yeah. t- take six months to onboard someone, seven, eight months to onboard someone, you're only getting a month, you're only getting a year and maybe f- uh, five, six months of productivity. That's not a good r- return on investment. So what we do is to answer your question in terms of just really trying to gather the information in a way that is easy, is fluid. Our surveys are five questions long, so and it's a team-based model. So you have five, six, seven people on your team. Each survey takes about 15 seconds to complete on average. So managers are asking their people to work for about an, a, a minute and a half <laughs> to give feedback. So, you know, what we want is for employees to trust the process and for the owners and the leaders to understand that once they have enough statistically relevant data, they better act on it, good or bad. So acknowledge the success and work at, at curing the weak spots. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think that what I've seen a lot is that people will survey and they'll do nothing with it or they won't survey in the first place because they're afraid to find out what is going on. And I think that, you know, I was talking to a, a, a customer yesterday that I'm I'm certainly hoping, I'm hopeful 30 years in this space that COVID has taught us one thing is that, you know, the game is... We, totally new table, totally new game. Let's change things up. Let's do things differently and not go back to the same old way of that distrust. So I'm a little bit curious about the name Ripple. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit more about how you came at that name? And with that sandwiched in, what do you find the biggest ripple behind uh, besides trust in organizations today? So the Ripple, um, we we worked with an IO psychologist back when we uh, founded Ripple. And we really did what what you should do when you form a company. You do searches to find out that there's not another company in your space by the same name. We had a couple um, cool names. I think there were a couple Latin names, a couple Hawaiian names of of Ripple. But we're like, you know what? Let's let's not let's not over overdo it. Let's just use the name. We loved it, and our scoring system is called the your Ripple Effect Score. And what that means is everything you do during the course of your day that involves other people has an impact, has an effect on those people. If you're happy, if you're positive, if you have an open door policy, if you're, hey, Fran, did that thing work out a couple of weeks ago? I know you had some issues with, and I had the guy that I that I introduced you to, and you say, oh yeah, thanks so much. That's a positive ripple effect. That's a positive impact that we have both had on each other. So when the opportunity comes up two weeks down the road, and I helped you, and someone needs your help, you're going to remember that. It's just so commonsensical that if you're nicer in the workplace, people are going to be nicer back to their coworkers. And hey, how about that? Everyone doesn't hate going to work anymore. And and when that work, you know, we've talked about it, the hybrid model, when you're seeing people 50%, maybe even more or less time. So you're going into the office two days of the five-day work week. Um, those opportunities are even more important because I'm only going to see you maybe two, three times during that week versus five, six, seven times. So if I have a negative impact on you, those two times I see you during the week, that's going to also negatively affect your perceptions, your reactions. And so the ripple effect is real. It can be a very beneficial experience and it can Mm -hmm. be a toxic experience when someone's scoring, when we look at scores, and we talk to a leader, a manager, an owner, and we say, let me, I mean, because I don't know the personalities. I don't work with, with these people, but uh, David's a problem. Yeah, we've had problems with David. Okay, because, you know, the people on his team have given him pretty low scores. Uh, and by the way, there's a self-scoring component. So once a year, 
the user will answer all the questions his or her colleagues are answering about them, about themselves. And that's important because what we do is we marry up those two data points, so your self-survey information and your colleague survey information. And the closer those numbers are together, mm-hmm. the more self-aware you are as a person. That's a lot of heady stuff, but I'll, I'll boil it down to one ROI. If you have self-aware people, they're happier, they're more productive, they're yep. more profitable, and they stick around. The retention rates for self-aware people are higher. So if that doesn't if that doesn't create interest in terms of you know using data to drive self-awareness, engagement, et cetera, not yeah. sure what will. Yeah, that kind of leads to my next question. I was curious. So the so what? right? So people do surveys, they do these assessments. Okay. So I'm very self-aware. I've got great emotional intelligence. I've got a great emotional quotient. Okay. So what, how do you help customers once they know where their folks are? Let's say all their folks suck. They're in really bad shape. Nobody trusts anybody. You know, you've got really, really bad uh, uh, distress going on in the organization. Leadership doesn't talk to each other, which trickles down. Mm-hmm. So what, how does Ripple then help? We're more of an x-ray machine. We gather the data. We'll give you your dashboard. We'll give you the film of your broken leg, um, but we're not the doctor. So we have doctors that work with us to set your leg, to put it in a cast so that it, that it heals properly. But also the flip side is true too. We have um, coaches and professionals that can use the data. When you have successful data, you want to replicate it. Yeah. You want to scale with whatever you're doing right, acknowledge it and make sure you're going to keep doing it right and, and have that, those decisions be data-driven as well. Yeah, I think as you're talking, I think, you know, you'd be a great partner for AeroBodies because oftentimes we are called in to do that, you know, the coach, we know we have a problem, yep. but the first question I always ask is, so what's the level of the problem? You know, have you analyzed the problem? Is there any diagnostics on the problem? What's leading to the problem? I don't want to just see the symptoms. What is leading to that problem? Because you can't just address the symptoms like any, you know, issue that you have. Yeah. Uh, so let's flip the script a little bit. We've talked a lot about, about the, the challenges and how you do your diagnostics and how you do the data analytics. You know, you're a thought leader in this space. You've been in it now, it sounds like well over a decade in doing this analysis and being in big organizations and small. Where do you think we're going now in this new, you know, workplace that we're trying to recreate and, and optimize and so forth? Where do you think we're going? I don't think we'll know for a few more years, only because as the baby boomers are retiring at the rate of 80,000 members uh, a week globally, right? As they are retiring and my generation is taking over, my generation wasn't raised on data, wasn't raised on technology, but certainly professionally we were. Long story short, in terms of where are we going post-COVID and the realities, the realities show that the, the concerns of the baby boomer generation that, that you and I were going to sit around, eat cereal, and watch movies all day long, right? If we were working remotely, they were wrong. 80% of American workers worked as much, if not more, during the first two years of COVID. Yeah. 80%. And I love the, the, the moniker of quiet quitting, right? I've had quiet quitters work alongside me for my entire professional career. They were called, you know, called clock punchers, slackers. People that did the absolute bare minimum without getting fired. When you have data that supports that someone's a toxic employee, figure out what their job role is. See if you can help him or them get to be where they need to be. And if after your attempts, you fail because of of certain things that you cannot change in in an employee, then you have to make the decision to, to eradicate that person, that person's influence from your organization. And that's what organizational health 
can only be achieved, good health can only be achieved if you do something about those employees because the good employees, and we can talk about engagement in a second, the good employees are frustrated that management doesn't do anything with the toxic employees. The good employees have to work harder. And the good employees, the great resignation is not because the, the bad employees are resigning. The great resignation is such a concern because the good employees are leaving, because they're sick of 68% of their coworkers being disengaged. If you look at your 100-employee company and 32 of them are engaged, that that is not good. <laughs> and driving engagement can be as easy as sending surveys around, telling people you like, you know, what you you enjoy the opportunity to gather this information so you can make the organization better. Yeah. Now, doesn't mean you can fire all 68% of your disengaged employees, <laughs> but you can tell them that the, the that behavior is not going to be tolerated as much as it has been. And I think that that could be the biggest takeaway um, for for COVID in general is the fact that while engagement stayed the course in 2020 and 2021, it went down in 2022. And I think if you if you're if you're looking for opportunities to show your people that you care for them, that you trust them, that you respect their opinions then do it in a way that's easy and simple and technology driven. And that's what we, and that's what we do. Love that. That was really fantastic, Noah. So what are you looking forward to most? You know, 2023 has just begun, even though it feels like it's been jam packed yep. past the first quarter um, in the work that you're doing, just in general, when you look at the workplace today, what are you guys looking forward to the most? I'm looking forward to uh, developing our channel partners, our resellers, uh, the people in the PEO space, um, the outsourced HR people. Um, I'm actually working with an incredible person up in um, Marblehead, uh, Massachusetts. She does all HR legal work. When we first started Ripple, uh, my co-founder was an SVP of strategy at a a large um, uh, company in Boston, and I was a lawyer. So we thought the natural spots would be in healthcare and in law. And so, you know, lawyers are the worst because they only care about the almighty billable hour, not only care about, but but what drives their P&L. Yeah. And so, you know, you could be a really great coworker, a great resource to other uh, attorneys in your law firm. But if you bill 1900 hours and, you know, Andy down the hall bills 2300 hours at four or 500 bucks an hour, not working out. Andy's the better employee. Even if Andy's not approachable, Andy doesn't help anybody. Andy will walk over his mom to close a deal. Like, I mean, it doesn't matter because the managing partner of that firm is going to see 400, 500 additional uh, billable hours. And Andy's going to get the bigger bonus. Andy's going to get the more recognition. And meanwhile, I'm I'm, my doors open all the time. I'm helping people with um, issues that they're facing, but there's no metric that the law firms um, uh, look at to measure other aspects of, uh, of of lawyers. And so we're working with this consultant in the legal space, the HR legal space. So I'm, I'm excited about developing that. We have a partnership with Puzzle HR, which is a big out, uh, HR outsourced uh, company. Uh, a couple of PEOs we're working with. I have a, I have a um, call with the chairman, uh, chairperson of the Institute, Institute for Organizational Mindfulness out in Nevada. Okay. Um, all of this stuff. I mean, and it lines up with what you're doing too, in terms of you know, creating, really driving what modern organizations are going to look like on all levels. This new modern 
workplace, the workplace of now, it's no longer the workplace of the future. I think there's a lot of things that have to shift and it's, we're seeing it shift a lot, I think tangibly, but I think these are the intangible pieces that are shifting as well. So that's super exciting. So how do people get a hold of you? If they're interested in some of the things you've shared today and just having further discussion, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Email me. My uh, my email address is Noah, N-O-A-H, at Ripple, R-I-P-P-L-E, crew, C-R-E-W.com. You can also go to our newly revamped website, ripplefeedback.com, and check out what we're doing. And we, we know within a, fir- a, a few minutes whether a prospect is on board or whether that prospect, you know, read an article about engagement, but they're really not committed to, you know, using data in a way that's going to drive the health, the psychological, physical health of their organization. Well, thank you very much. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners about, um, I guess, what Ripple has going on in the next six months or so in 2023 that may be exciting to them? Yeah. So we're attending um, at the end of April, there's a conference out in Las Vegas, unleash.ai. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know unleash. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unleash. So, so we're going out to that. I'm going to hopefully, you know, meet a lot of people network. Um, and we're also, I'm all, I'm presenting on data analytics and the importance of data on uh, sustainable culture uh, at the Thrive 2023 uh, conference, which is on May 9th in, uh, on Long Island. Uh, email me, any, any listeners can email me and I'll get you all the information. I can also get you a discount code for attending that conference. Um, and yeah, just, you know, we're excited about really the, the change that has happened that is currently happening and will happen based, based around gathering and using good, genuine feedback, timely information so that you can show your people that you're not scared, even if the data is bad, quote, bad, no data is bad. Because if that data doesn't say what you were hoping it would say, then act on it and make the change that is necessary to drive. And and by the way, I always use the, the numbers in terms of, you know, how long the average millennial stays at a job, the, the average Gen Zer, the people that run companies currently are a lot of a lot of my generation and a lot of boomers. A lot of the mentality that has to change, you're never going to get a Gen Zer to work for 15 years at your job. The chances of that happening are very slim. So why are you focusing on on just retention? You should be also looking at productivity. And if you can take that two year, three month average for a Gen Zer and increase it by 25 percent. Get her, get them to the three year mark. Yep. That's an accomplishment. Yes. If you're trying, if you're trying to make a generation that the average tenure is two months, two years and three months to be 15 year employees, you're just pushing that rock up the hill, and it's 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 never going to happen. And so I think to add to that, there are other drivers that could still add to your profitability. Maybe 100. They they refer other people into your organization. Maybe they move into a different area of your organization. Maybe they're on the innovation. I mean, there's so many other things you can do besides having people stay long-term in your organization, which may turn into quiet quitting. 100%. <laughs> and, and so all of these, I mean, it seems like we're more, we're, we're more fascinated with titles, you know, the quiet yeah. quitting, the great resignation. We'll get underneath, dive into why that is happening. You know, one of the, we, we pitched to a large multinational um, cosmetics company. If I use the name, everyone would know the, the name. Um, 70,000 employees worldwide, uh, about 30,000 domestically. And they hired Bain Consulting. They spent millions of dollars to gauge 
and measure the culture of the company. And really what it boiled down to, I, was, I met with the um, the head of domestic operations a few times, really, really great guy. Bain asked the following question, would you re- refer a friend or family member come work at this company? Because if it's 60, 70, 80%, then chances are you're doing something right. Because as an employee, I want those people that are closest in my life to experience what I'm experiencing, right? Absolutely. So the executives, the leaders, they filled out the same survey. How many, you know, what percentage of, of employees do you think would refer a friend? So the, the numbers for the um, the leadership came in at 82%. So the leaders thought 82% of their people would refer a friend or friend. Okay. The people, the employees, the number was 23%. And so that gap shows and confirms that your culture is not good. So what did this company do with the information? They buried it. They did not. They did not come out and say, "We we know we have an issue. We're addressing it. We're going to implement this strategy, that strategy, this solution, this initiative." They, they didn't do anything with it. They buried it because yeah. they were embarrassed. Yeah, and, and they, they would have done kicking the can down the road. They're not dealing with exactly the right. Yeah, exactly right. Oh wow! So yeah, wow. I mean, That's and, fascinating. And the, that yeah, is fascinating. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's fascinating, disturbing, concerning. But yeah, yeah if you know something about your organization that can be based on more objective information, mm-hmm. then your people are going to respect that. it more. You know, don't, you know, 30 years ago, my boss did this. So this is what we're going to do. And well, okay. You, you know, you, yeah. as soon as, and and one last thing in terms of the annual review and, you know, disruption is difficult. Change is difficult. A lot of companies st- stand by their review system because they've always done it that way. Well, you know, in, in an early prospect call, I will ask, so what do you do currently to assess, develop, manage your people? And they say annual review. They'll say a 360. Oh, we do reviews every six months. We're super dynamic because we do it six months instead of 12 months. All those things. And I say, well, why? Because if you have any process, any operation within a company, and you can't answer the why, you know, I mean, you do it because you've always done it. That's not a why. That's 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 a cop-out. Your phrase, kicking the can down the road, right? You know, if it's if it's effective, we, our people love it. They tell us all the time. They love the once a year sit down or, or you know, okay, fine. So we we don't need to talk then because your people enjoy the process of being assessed and being reviewed. But that hardly ever happens. Right. Usually what I'll have is, oh, I'm not really sure what we're doing. And well, we do this one thing, but sometimes managers do their own thing. And then and suddenly you don't have consistency. And that's a problem because your people want to be led. Leaders lead. You know, I mean, it, it sounds uh, idiomatic, but you, you have you you yeah you have to have a differentiator in terms of what you're doing absolutely and you know it's 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 interesting when the data comes in to 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 meet with you know the the leaders of a company and and see what they do with it we've had a couple uh companies that well, I don't know your algorithms are wrong there's no way Noah's this or David's that or Susan's this or Nancy's oh that wow yeah and it's like okay well, I don't know any of those people because I don't work with them but nobody likes this person everyone thinks this person is is a is a problem so they so, would ignore the data they want to oh wow that's they, they they dumped it they you know they did what this cosmetic company did they didn't oh. like the results so they didn't use it so that's I think I think the changing of the generational attitude toward leadership is going to be huge. And that's and that's ongoing. It's happening right now. It's been happening for several years. But it's really, I think, I think the, the boomers make up about 5% of the domestic uh, employees in the country. So we got a ways to go. Yeah. 
But I think that's a great note to end on, the change of the generational leadership. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's going to make all the difference. This is a fascinating conversation, Noah. I, I'm looking forward to hearing more and um, certainly seeing where Ripple goes, because I think you can make a ripple effect across the country that's if right. folks allow you in. So thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me. And thank you for our listeners. Again, remember, this is the Optimized Workplace. It's many monumental moments that make the biggest shift in your organization. I'm Fran Dean Bishop. It's a pleasure to be with you. And thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Optimized Workplace. For more insights and resources, visit theoptimizedworkplace.co. If you enjoyed this episode, please help spread the word and share with those who will enjoy it as well. See you soon.